the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, in, in reviewing the game against the Ravens, one of the points you made was that, quote, I thought it was far from perfect, but I thought collectively our guys did not blink. No one sought comfort. Uh, what does sought comfort mean in that context? You know, things that people do under duress that, you know, when, they, when given an opportunity to look back at it, they wish they hadn't, uh, to lessen their roles when things get tough. And that's one of the things we openly talking about. Don't minimize your role when things are tough. Own, have ownership over what's, what's transpiring. Don't blame others. You know, don't state problems. Let's, let's openly talk about solutions uh, as opposed to stating the obvious. Just some things that we live by that, that's somewhat human nature that we try to stay away from in the midst of tough times. We just feel like it's a winning edge for us in terms of overcoming those obstacles. Generally speaking, so then seeking comfort would be normal human nature. Exactly. Um, you know, we're blessed to be in a position that we're in. We can't do what, we can't do what comes natural. We got to resist human nature. We cannot seek comfort. We can't minimize our role. We can't blame others. We can't talk about the problem we need to talk about and, and, and take action that produce solutions. Uh, after the game in Baltimore, you also spoke about halftime adjustments and the impact those had on the outcome. Uh, when you're making adjustments at halftime, are they always the kinds of things that you've worked on in the past in practice or used in previous games? Or do they sometimes involve something totally new that you believe could be an answer to a specific issue? You know, sometimes I wish it was as interesting as that. Most of the time it's about deciding what you want to stop doing. And for us, that's what it was about. There were some things that weren't working for us. There were some things that we were asking people to do that we weren't getting executed uh, to an acceptable level. And to me, halftime adjustments always start with subtraction before it starts with addition. I think that's a prudent approach. I think that players digest that in the 12 minute period much more than they do adding to. Um, if we're gonna add to, some, add to the mix in some way, always start with taking out of the mix, just so that they don't feel mentally overloaded in the process. Hey, we're gonna do this, we're gonna add this call, but we're gonna take these calls away. And I think that that's just a, a, a good component of, of managing the emotions of the, of the time period and making sure that guys realize that there's some adjustments that need to happen, but we're not having wholesale changes or changing who we are or what we spend all week working on. I wanna talk a little bit about the five linebacker alignment you used against the Ravens. Was that planned or something you went to based on what the Ravens were doing in that specific game? It was something that we had planned, um, but it's something that definitely assumed a larger role at halftime. And that's what I mean. Uh, sometimes it's about, you know, minimizing some calls and bringing some other calls to the forefront. That was something that we had worked during the course of the week had run a few times in the first half, but at the second half, man, we really brought it to the forefront and it became a significant call for us over the second half of the game. And that's why we're probably talking about it today. Uh, on more than one occasion, you have described Mike Hilton as a significant run defender. How is a five foot nine, 190 pound defensive back a significant run defender? You know, it, it, it's funny you ask that and that's a real question. Um, the nature of the position that he plays, the nickelback position, those guys usually come at you with big time coverage ability and awareness. When you find one that has an appetite for the run game and a nose for the run game and an appetite for blitzing the way that Mike does, it is unique. And so 
Uh, we realize that's an asset to us. That's probably why our sub package run defense is as strong as it is. And that's why we were really concerned in the, in the stadium last weekend. You know, we were playing without Tyson and our base defense, and we were playing without Mike Hilton and our sub package defense. And you talked about two co critical components to, to run defense, one in base, one in sub. And it's funny, they look like and they're shaped very differently, uh, but both are very critical in terms of us getting after the run game. Uh, Avery Williamson, uh, he has experience as an inside linebacker uh, when Dick LeBeau was the coordinator with the Titans. Uh, is that sufficient for him to be able to wear the green dot for you? It is not. Um, you know, we brought Avery in to provide quality depth for us. We know from a talent standpoint, he more than fits the description, but he is getting on a moving train. Some of the intimacies are playing within our scheme and so forth. Uh, he's going to have to learn along the way. Uh, we have a desire for him to position himself to be our third inside linebacker if something happens to, to Vince or to Rob. Uh, and in the meanwhile, he's got to get himself up to speed as quickly as he can. And then we'll kind of go from there. Um, he's capable. He's willing. He's willing to put his hand in the pile. We're excited about having him. Uh, he is a luxury, if you will. And that's why uh, acquiring him was so important. Uh, we just feel real good about where we are with that. I want to change gears a little bit here and talk about NFL assistant coaches, specifically the position coaches. Uh, an NFL position coach who has the experience of being a coach, a position coach for a college program. How is that experience valuable, what he did in college, to what he's asked to do in the NFL? You know, it's, it's very interesting you say that. Um, when Coach Dungy hired me some 20-some-odd years ago, um, he was specifically looking for a college football coach. Um, he interviewed probably eight to 10 or so defensive back coaches uh, in the college ranks. And I was one of them and I was fortunate enough to get the job. And after I got the job, I asked him why it was it very important that he hired a college coach. He said that he had some young guys in the secondary and he thought it was very important that he, that he hired a teacher and somebody with a teacher's mentality and somebody who, who didn't have the experience of working with professionals that could allow you to become somewhat lazy and make some assumptions. And, and that's something that always stuck out in my mind and something that I've been cognizant of and something that I thoughtfully do from time to time. Eddie Faulkner, I hired as a running back coach um, with no pro experience directly from college. Matt Canada is our quarterbacks coach more recently than, than Faulkner. There's value in hiring a college football coach and one that embraces the aspect of that that's a little bit different than ours, and that's the nurturing and development of young, young men and players, both on and off the field. And I think when you bring that mentality to a professional environment, it can be useful and helpful, particularly when you got young people in a positional group. Yes, yeah, so when you would look to do that on your own staff, it might be because of the makeup of the particular position group that you're adding this assistant coach to? No question. So when you, uh, when Coach Dungy hired you for that job, did it surprise you at all that you were teaching professionals the way you taught college kids? Initially, it was very surprising for me because as somebody that comes in with no pro experience, you make some assumptions about where those guys are from a football intellect standpoint. And that was one of the things that, that Coach Dungy consistently preached to me is don't make those assumptions. Don't make those assumptions. Coach the way that you've always coached. And, and it really proved to be true. You know, guys play the game. 
their perspective on the game is different than those that coach the game. Us that coach, coach the game, we have a perspective that we need to provide those guys and teach those guys regardless of their level of playing experience. And that's just something that we need to continually remind ourselves. We're teachers. Our job is to teach and to instruct. They're learners. Their job is to learn and to do regardless of their age or, or, or experience. Did you find then and do you find now that professionals are receptive to that kind of situation or do they look at it like an eighth grader who being taught first grade arithmetic saying, I know that? They have so much more humility than the middle schooler that is shocking to you. They crave it. Um, they, they, they need the instruction. Uh, the instruction helps them do their job. The more instruction you give them, the more they're into it. Um, that's one of the things that's really shocking when you don't have NFL experience as a coach. And it's one of the things that I continually impress upon our guys that lack NFL coaching experience. I want them to feel comfortable teaching, instructing. I want Matt Canada to feel comfortable instructing and teaching Ben, although Ben has been doing his job for 17 years. I wanted, you know, uh, Eddie Faulkner to feel comfortable instructing and teaching James Conner and all of those other guys that have been playing the position for a number of years. During a typical week, how much preparation time is spent on the opponent's quarterback in terms of what he does well and how you may want to try to minimize that? Um, it's something that's ongoing and continual and probably a part of every single discussion. No matter what the discussion is, during different points of the week, you could be talking about misdirection pass. You could be talking about red zone, short yardage, goal line, third down. His abilities, uh, his tangible traits, the things that he does well, his intangible traits, uh, oftentimes are a part of the discussion. So in getting ready for the Cowboys this week, you didn't know who their starting quarterback was. And I doubt that there's a lot out there on the two guys uh, between whom they're going to uh, choose their starter, Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush. How do you handle that? We focus our energies on known commodities like Ezekiel Elliott, um, because I would imagine that they're going to lean on their strengths in an effort to support uh, the inexperienced potential quarterback that you mentioned. And that, and that lean on all roads lead to Ezekiel Elliott for us. And so um, the type of attention that we generally pay to quarterback position in all those situations and so forth and discussions that I was mentioning this week, um, we, we, we shifted that focus toward 21 and how he might be impacting those scenarios and discussions. And we believe that that was appropriate.